Anyway, any other children, come on forward. As children are filing forward, I wanted to ask a question. Um, did, did anybody get anything new for Christmas at all? Anybody? Yeah? Did you? Yeah? Okay. Raise your hand if you got something new. I didn't say raise your hand, all right? You got something new. I know. You live with me. All right. Jasmine, what did you get that's new? Uh, let me hear. Just a second. Let's get this on. Make sure this is on. What did you get that's new? Violin. A violin? Wow, girl. It's amazing. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Riley, what would you get, buddy? A crane truck. A crane truck. Man, I know all about trucks. Those things are awesome. Awesome, awesome. Wonderful, wonderful. Hi, Chris. Good to see you. What's your son's name? Eli. Hey, Eli, did you get something new for Christmas? Do you want to say what it is? Or your daddy can. Go ahead and say what he got that's new. Angry Birds toys. Okay, awesome. Hey, um, one more. Uh, Charlie, what'd you get? What? Motorized engine. Motorized engine. Fun. That's awesome. Well, hey, um, I uh, can I? So it's awesome. We got some new things. Can I ask uh, someone to be an assistant for me today, to help me out? Riley, think you can do it? Go right there, right in front of that chair right in front of that little monkey bag and grab what's there and bring that to me if you could, okay? This is awesome. In church, you're able to just get around and go wherever you want. Right there, just grab those uh, two things there on the floor. You see those? Yep, you got them. That's it. That's right. All right, bring those up here to me. All right. Well, these right here are uh, what I got for Christmas. My wife gave them to me if you're tired of looking at my uh, old shoes. But anyway, um, (laughs) uh, my wife got these very nice. uh, And um, can anybody tell me what they are? Huh? (laughs) What are these? It's it's not a trick question. What are these? Shoes? Boots? Shoes and boots? Something? Okay. So what I'm going to do here uh, is I'm going to put them on today because I want to preach in my new shoes. Isn't that fair? So let me put those on right now. If I can get a chance to do that. Let me see here. It's not. Can somebody come help me put these on? Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing at me? Oh, because I got my old shoes on. Okay. Oh, I have another pair. These are my old shoes. You see, these are the ones that I've kind of worn outside. Well, why, you know what? It's interesting. I think uh, I have to take off my old shoes, right, before I put on my new ones. Is that true? Huh? There it goes. <laughs> well, you see my socks. Praise God. I think I wore decent socks today. I have, I have very holy socks, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. So, uh, so I had to take it off in order to put on the new shoes. Well, let me do that real quickly. But I just wanted to ask you, um, have any of you uh, ever um, uh, had something that happened in the past that, that made you kind of sad at all? Anybody ever had something that happened to you in the past that's old and made you sad? Raise your hand. You don't have to tell me what it is, but yeah, yeah, Jasmine, I had something. You know, I have something that was sad that happened to you, Jasmine. You, you got sick for a little bit, but then we prayed for you and you got a lot better. Sorry, I'm having to put these on. 
Maybe I can put my other... Okay, let me try. I'm not normally putting my shoes... You see my sock again. Yes. That's true. Well, anyway, um, have any of you ever had anything old that you didn't want to get rid of? Anybody? Anything old? Tell me what one of those things is that you didn't want to get rid of, but, but your parents, daddy and mommy, or somebody made you get rid of it. What is that, Jasmine? You're a great uh, participant, by the way. What? They haven't taken it. What is it? A blanket. Oof. Coming on a blanket. Okay, anything else that you've had to get rid of that you didn't want to? What? You don't know. Well, <laughs> has anybody had to give up a pair of jeans or shoes or something you really want, something you really liked? Yeah, I'm daddy. Okay, I couldn't hear him. I'm sorry. What, sweetheart? Oh, you had to get rid of your old jeans. That's right, in order to get your new jeans. Well, you know, God's taught us how to not live in an old way of life. I'm going to get down here with you. I'm sorry, too far away. God's taught us how to live not in an old way of life, but in a new way. What are some of the old ways of life that we live in? Um, that'd be like, have any of you had a brother or sister that's that's hit you or, or been selfish with you? <laughs> yes, me too. Uh, has anybody ever um, gotten their feelings hurt by their brother or sister or uh, felt like you didn't want to forgive them for what they'd done to you? It was kind of hard. There are different things that happen in our lives that are kind of an old way of life. Huh? Diesel. Oh, you're, you're answering question number one. Well, that's a good one. Um, you know... But God has called us to live in a new way of life. And kind of just like with my shoes today, I couldn't just put my new shoes on before I'd taken my old shoes off. And the ways of unforgiveness and um, selfishness. Anybody ever been selfish? Not want to share a toy? Yeah, I have my shoes on now. I'm going to have you return these over there. But there are all kinds of old ways and old things that are, that are the way that we were born. We were born into sin, and that's not a good thing. But Jesus came and he died for us so that we could have a new way of living, right? What's the opposite of selfishness? That's a hard word. What's the opposite? Being selfless, right? Helping other people. What's the opposite of unforgiveness? Yeah, forgiveness, right? And these are all the new ways that God has for us to... Um, to walk, And so I want us to pray today that God would help us to, um, to let go of the old ways of unforgiveness and selfishness and um, um, disobedience, not obeying our parents and stuff like that. Let's pray that God would help us to get rid of our old ways and, and put on the new ways. Because we're going to talk about that with the adults as well today, uh, about the fact that we're putting off the old ways and we're... We're putting on the new ways. So let's pray today. Can you pray with me today? And we'll ask Jesus to help us. Yeah? Okay. Jesus, help us to uh, put off the old ways, the ways of unforgiveness when our brother or sister has a train or a truck or a plane or, or something that we want and we don't want to share. Lord, help us to share. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for us so that we could live in a new way of life. Lord, help us to put away the old things 
and to put on the new things. And uh, Lord, help us not to be trapped by living in old ways of thinking. Help us to love our brothers and sisters in a better way today, to obey our parents uh, in a new way today through the power of Jesus in our hearts. In your holy name, amen. Amen. Thank you for coming, kids. Appreciate it. You can clap for them. Clap for them. Oh, can you, uh, Riley, Riley, can you take those and put those back where the other ones were? I'm going to preach in these today. Oh, yeah, take the mic. Okay. You know, (laughs) just as we discussed a little with our children's sermon, (laughs) you know, we can't really walk in the new way of living that God has for us until we put off uh, the old way of living. Uh, And another way uh, to illustrate this is by observing the way that monkeys are caught. Anybody know how a monkey is caught? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You caught a monkey in your time, Riley? Well, a monkey, well, this is uh, written by um, Robert Maynard Piersig, who is an American writer and philosopher. He tells of how people of South India have been pestered by monkeys over the years and how they end up catching them. And I think this is a great illustration for us today of uh, needing to let go of the past. Well, anyway, what, what these folks in South India do, and I've seen it done, I've seen it on video, is that... They come up to a mound of dirt and they begin digging in the dirt and they open a hole wide enough for a monkey's hand to go into, right? And then they dig it out in the middle of it and then they put rice into the hole, right? Monkeys like rice, okay? Any of you seen Curious George? Well, anyway. But so the monkey uh, puts his hand in to grab the rice out and what does he do? He grasps hold of the rice And then he pulls back, but the hole is too small. It was was big enough for his hand or his paw to get into, but it's not big enough for his fist to get out of. And monkeys will stay there for any length of time, and uh, this is the way they're caught. They'll even go to their death not letting go uh, of what it was that they wanted, that rice, uh, in this case, with the South Indians and the way that they dealt with it. And they don't ever... Uh, they won't let go of the rice in order to get free so they can walk, uh, so, so that they won't get killed. And oftentimes that's what happens to us uh, if we think about it, that, um, that if we refuse to let go of our past, something that we've wanted, sometimes it's tempting to want to hold on to our past. Maybe we've been hurt by someone. Maybe, maybe it seemed like the good days. Or whatever, for whatever reason, if we refuse to let go of our past, and we can't get out of the hole we're stuck in, in some form or fashion. And we can't move on uh, to the new things. And, it, and it, in one sense, it, 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 at times it's killing us. Uh, maybe not literally, but it's killing the energy that we have for the future. This week, we're going to discuss forgetting the former things. We're going to talk about letting go of the past. And next week, we're going to talk about taking hold of the future. Uh, and this in, in the... End of December and beginning of January, we're going to let go of the past, and then we're going to take hold of the future. But today, we're just going to concentrate on that letting go of the past. Say that real quickly. Let go of the past. We're going to talk about that today. If you would turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43 and verses 16 through 19, we're going to read about what God says about forgetting, otherwise known as letting go. So when we read forget here, we can often also think we've got to let go, mentally let go 
of the past. And uh, we're going to see what God has to say about living in the new thing, about preparing ourselves to live in the new thing that God has. Anybody want to live in a new thing that God has for you? Okay, well, don't hold on to the rice of your past, <laughs> uh, but be willing today. And I say, uh, I, I say God's grace to you today to let go of that which would keep you from taking hold of the future. I want to give a little historical background for Isaiah, which is that Isaiah is, um, he prophesied during the reigns of four different kings. And uh, those kings are Uzziah. Um, he was the one that saw the vision. Uh, uh, he saw the vision of the Lord uh, through Uzziah's reign. Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. These were all kings of Judah. So Isaiah was a prophet to them. And the book of Isaiah is 66 chapters, which is the same number of chapters as the Bible has books. And in a rough estimate, it's not exact on this, but in a rough estimate, the first 39 books of Isaiah are, are uh, the rough part. <laughs> they are the judgment and the difficulty. And the last 27 chapters speak of the glory and the forgiveness and the life. And that's a microcosm of the Bible. What, how many chapters in the Old, or how many uh, books in the Old Testament? 39. New Testament? 27. So we see a microcosm. It's a little stretch to get it there because some in the last 27 are doom and some in the first 39 are, are gleaming. But we see a picture in Isaiah of the fact that God has a new way of living uh, and mercy and grace. And as we pick up here in Isaiah chapter 43, we're going to see what God has to say about the new thing that he has. And he's speaking here, Isaiah, to the people of Israel. These people of Israel, um, he's speaking prophetically to their future. They have already, or they are in the process of going into a cycle of judgment and being cast out of their land, and then God bringing them back. And he's talking to them about, uh, about this process of letting go and taking hold. Would you like to read with me? Let's do it. Isaiah chapter 43 verses 16 through 19. It says here, This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the armies and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing, now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. We're going to discuss this over the next two weeks. We're going to talk about this passage. But today we're going to talk about letting go, forgetting the former things. But one interesting thing I want you to be, to be clear on, just going to be pretty simple here. Um, the children are acting uh, very well today, but for the sake of the fact that any one of us at any time could have a meltdown, we're going to try to be short on this. <coughs> Just pray I don't. Uh, <laughs> there's two simple things. One is when we talk about forgetting the things behind, right? Don't forget the past history of God. Dwell on His past always. Dwell on His past always. It's very interesting in this passage where, where it, the Israelites are being spoken to and you can receive this into your heart. God is saying, uh, do not. Dwell on the past. But interesting, look what comes before that. Whoops. A little shorter stage today. Look what it says here before that. It says, this is what the Lord says. And then we have a little bit of an addendum, a little bit of a parenthetical statement. 
And what does he do? He talks about his past. He's not saying to forget his past. He's saying to forget those things in our past. But here we go. He says, He who made the way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the armies and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He says all this before he says forget the former things. Because God is making very clear that you will not be able to forget your former things unless you remember his former things. You won't be able, in the most pure sense, to totally forget and let go of your past until you remember what he's done. And what is this prophet doing? He's speaking to the nation of Israel. He's saying, hey guys, God delivered you from the Egyptians who were too powerful for you. What are those mighty waters? Those are the waters of the Red Sea that God parted in a miraculous way. Anybody uh, seen Prince of Egypt, the, the uh, um, animated? I just think it's so awesome, the picture, when, when both walls of water are on, are on both sides of the Israelites and, and you see lightning and then you see like a, a, a whale, the image of a whale that's still in the water. You know, it's just so awesome. But God parted these waters and got them out for His glory. And so the important thing for us to remember in forgetting the former things... This is the first thing is, don't ever forget, or if you don't know, get to know His past. Get to know God's past. Because you will find God to have always been faithful, to have always been good, to have done amazing things, not only throughout the history of Israel, but God has done amazing things in each of our lives. He is what the Methodists might call a prevenient God. The God who goes before. He has gone before us. Now, it's very easy to pick out the things that have gone wrong, isn't it? I could list a few hundred of those <laughs> right now to you. But if we will give ourselves to His past and seeing ourselves gridded through His past faithfulness in our lives, then we are going to be able to move on to the future that He has for us. You know, one thing that I do on a daily basis is that I remember what God is, who God is, and what He has said in Scripture. I just remember on a daily basis, I go through, um, I meditate on God the Father. I th what does meditate? Jude, what does meditate mean? What does meditate mean? To think about it. That's all meditate means. We talk about it every day. Thank you. I don't know. I don't ever have him in here to help me out. I meditate. I think about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I think about God the Father in Isaiah uh, chapter 40 where um, it, it calls out and says, that, that uh, do not, for, um, in Isaiah 40, where it speaks of God and His vastness, it says uh, that He, the, the nations are like a drop in the bucket, that, that the peoples are like grasshoppers, but that God is great in His infiniteness. And uh, I, I meditate on Jesus and His past faithfulness, that He came to earth in the form of a baby, and He was obedient to His Father in everything that He did. And He, he healed the sick, He raised the dead, He cleansed the lepers, He drove out demons. But then He didn't allow Himself to be exalted, but He humbled Himself and went to the cross. You see, Jesus never forgot what He had come for because He remembered His past. He remembered the Father, and He remembered what God had for the future. And uh, so I do that, and um, in my own life, I, I, um, after I've thought about Him and about God's faithfulness through the years, then I begin repeating to God His faithfulness to me in my life. Now, there's a lot of things that don't make sense, right? It's like, where were you, God, when this happened? We understand that. But the best place to start is not always the where were you, God, when this happened, 
but saying, God, let me see my life through your perspective. Let me see my life through your involvement that I couldn't see, the unseen hand of God throughout my life. And one of the places that I start is at my birth. I say, thank you, God, that you created me. You formed me in my mother's womb. And guess what? I was a boy who had five blood transfusions. The doctor said, don't expect him to live. And uh, that if he was to live, he would have brain damage. The jury's still out on that. But God healed me in every way, shape, and form. And uh, I start out right there with the fact that God healed me as an infant. And that he gave me faithful provision in my life. And I just take a course of my life. So one of the things that it's very important for us to do when we hear this passage, do not dwell on the past, is do not dwell on your own past. Dwell on his past and his past faithfulness to your life. I encourage different ones of you, if you've never journaled before, to begin writing down and saying, God, help me to begin seeing things through your perspective, the different people that you brought into my life, the different situation. How did you get here today? Well, God has ordered your steps in order to judge you, no, but in order to bless you and to fill you with His goodness. A second thing, though, so we dwell on His past often. Say that. Dwell on His past often. Who's He? God. Dwell on God. Dwell on His past, His past faithfulness. But we dwell on our past seldom. That's what we're to do. Seldom. Not never. It says do not dwell on the past. It doesn't say don't ever think about the past. Don't ever learn anything from the past. But here's the thing. Reflection is okay. It's okay to reflect. Probably at this time of year in December, you're reflecting a little bit on, you know, I'm reflecting on the extra pieces of pie that I ate or, you know, whatever (laughs) that I'm going to have to deal with in January. But uh, whatever the reflection is, that's obviously a joke, but reflection's okay. And repentance, meaning turning away from things that were were bad and, and dead and turning to God, that's a good thing. But an unhealthy obsession with our past is, is not good. And it's not productive and it's not life-giving. If you have an unhealthy obsession with your past, it, it will uh, keep you from living in the victorious future. Do you know that God has a future and a hope for you today? You may say, well, I'm, I'm a mess. Well, that's what God came for. That's what Jesus came for. He came for messes. Paul, the apostle himself, said, God, uh, he, in me, the chief of sinners, God showed his unlimited mercy. You may say, well, I'm really a, I'm really a bad sinner. Your sin is not greater than God's mercy. God has a great future for you today. So this reflection and repentance, they're good, but obsession with our past is not good. This kind of it, being prideful over your successes, that's not a really good thing. <laughs> You know, um, and uh, living with a victim mentality over the things that have happened. Have any of you in your life been a victim of something? I bet you have. There's a difference in being a victim and having a victim mentality. There are situations that are victim. There are victim in. There are victims of crimes. There are victims of situations. There are victims. But God has not called us to live as victims, but as victors and victorious out there. Uh, Kind of cracked myself up. But uh, <clears throat> uh, it's also not healthy to seethe with past bitterness over those who have done us wrong. You see, when we're seething of the bitterness of what others have done to us, we're really just punishing ourselves. It's not good uh, to live in condemnation over our failures. Um, you know, if you haven't failed, you haven't lived. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Anyone that has 
not failed, uh, has, uh, has not really given an attempt for something great. And so it's not a problem to have failed, but it's a problem to let the condemnation of that failure overcome us. Anybody ever felt condemned out there over the failures? Anybody ever wondered if there's a new future for you? I want to say yes today. You are not, and neither am I, a product of the past. For those who choose a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you're a product of the cross. You are a product of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to explain that a little bit too much, uh, a little bit later. Do not, so as I'm talking about dwelling on your past seldom, not dwelling so much on your past, but reflecting, is don't reflect too much on your successes. <laughs> That's not necessarily where we probably fall too much, but if you came from a good situation in life, um, or you've had success in the past, uh, you're responsible for that success. It said God is clear that those to whom much is given, much is required. So you should let any success or great uh, grace from your past uh, humble you to say, God has given me a responsibility for the way that I live. And uh, those who finish well spiritually, what do I mean finish? Those who, as Paul said, right before he went uh, to his death, Paul said, I have finished the race. I have completed the course. Now I have stored up for me in heaven the crown of glory, which God has promised. You see, I want, uh, in my speaking to you today, it's not just about today, but I want you in your life to finish well. I want you to finish full of years, full of faith, and full of victorious uh, memories of all the good things that God's done and all the hard situations that He's brought you out of. If you have not experienced heartbreak, if you have not experienced difficulty, uh, it, it's coming. <laughs> but I don't mean that as a negative, a negative statement over you, but God wants to teach you how to live in that victory. So those who finish well spiritually stay hungry and they stay dependent on God. If you had a great year last year in seeking God, maybe you you sought Him more than you ever have. You saw some great spiritual success in your life. Or you had success in your business or at your workplace. Uh, if you had success at school or whatever you were doing, great. But let's not let that give us pride, but let's let that humble us to say, I've been entrusted now to use this uh, for God's glory. But the one that I want to mention, go into it just a little bit more, is don't be bound by your failures and your sin. The Canadian actress Mary Pickford, she was also co-founder of United Artists, she said it this way, You may have a fresh start any moment you choose. For this thing we call failure is not in the falling down, but in the staying down. This thing called failure is not in the falling down, but it's in the staying down. Too many times we're stuck in the past by being bound by our failures and sins. Jesus came to earth for failures and for sinners. Praise His holy name. Jesus came. Have you failed? Have you sinned? Jesus came to earth for you. He did not come, He said, for the righteous, but He came to call sinners to repentance. If you have failed, if you have sinned, praise His holy name. Jesus is near to you today, and He wants to redeem your past. What does redeem mean in the Old Testament when someone uh, dedicated something to the Lord? If they were to get it back, they had to pay the payment plus a fifth, right? 
So I don't know how you do that, but if it was like you dedicated a cow, then you had to give a cow and a cow's leg, <laughs> or two cow's legs. I don't know exactly how that works. But to redeem something, you had to give more. And that is what I believe God wants to do in our lives. In our lives where Satan has attempted to steal from us, where, where destruction has happened, where sin, our own sin even, has broken our lives, or the sin of others, then Jesus wants to redeem the time. He wants to say, Satan, you've got to give it back and a fifth. But you see, the way with Jesus is not just a fifth. It's, it's immeasurable the amount that God wants to give back to you. No one can steal more than God can replay, repay a hundred times more. No one. God is in control of your life if you're uh, surrendered to Jesus. The Satan is not in control of your life. He may have had activity in your life. And as I said a week or two ago, Satan may have had that moment in your life. But Jesus has your life. Praise His holy name. You know, before I moved to Boston, which is now 15 and a half years ago, um, back as Mark said, when my hair was brownish to some degree, I had previously led a complete failure of a church plant. <laughs> I, I'm, I laugh or cry, <laughs> but it wasn't a failure ultimately in God. We understand that, but... The natural process, I led a team to Berlin, Germany. Uh, I uh, fell into a deep depression and was hospitalized. The team disbanded and it was over. And I came back 17 years ago to Texas feeling as a failure. Actually having good reason to feel that way. <laughs> and um, I came back depressed. I came back feeling defeated. And there were, I, I came back and I didn't do everything right. And I fell into some old habits of sin and some old patterns that were unhealthy. But I also think this. What if I'd stayed in that place? Wow. Praise God that He allowed me to let go of my past and begin to reach forward again to Boston in order to walk in the future with Him. You know, somehow in God's grace, in His provenient grace, the grace that goes before, He intended me to be in Boston. I don't know if I took the right path here, but as I repented and uh, as I was able to allow him to, to, to uh, rework a new best for me, I know I'm in the right place in God. Some of you may feel like I got off somewhere in my track with God. I disobeyed somewhere and it's too late for me for God's best. I'm relegated to the second team. Anybody felt that way? I'm the water carrier at the end of the bench. Uh, rah, rah you other guys, but for me, I'm just going to have to uh, exist through life, and ultimately God will say, eh, not very well done, eh, come on in, I guess. No, God has a new best for you, and you have never gotten so far off track. You see, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, the lost sheep that don't ever and have never known him, but he also is the one that says in 2 Samuel verse 14, uh, chapter 14 and verse 14, for God does not take away life, but instead He devises ways so that a banished person may not remain estranged from Him. Praise His holy name. Whatever you got yourself into, God's able to get you out of with a fifth and much more added to it. We all must remember this, and we're rounding, to the, bend. We're rounding the bend to the, here to the close. Jesus took on your past so that you could take on His future with Him. Praise Him for that. Jesus took on your past 
What did he take on? He took on your adultery. He took on your fornication. He took on your lust. He took on... Oh, we have children here. Okay. He took on all the things. (laughs) I really changed... (laughs) He took on all those things. You know what I'm going to say. He took it all on him so that you could have his future. What's his future? Righteousness. His future? Holiness. His future? Joy. His future? A kingdom that will never end but will only increase over all of eternity. You will get to rule and to reign with Jesus Christ forever and ever in Him. What a great trade. I mean, I thought in Monopoly when I was a kid, you know, and I said, give me Park Place and this, you know. I was making a great trade. That's nothing you don't remember that in Monopoly where at some point you trade properties with each other? I don't think that's in the real rules. But anyway, there's no trade like it. Jesus took your past. He gave you His future. Let's say thank you, Jesus, to that one today. Come on. Oh, thank Him. Anybody want to let go of your past today so that you can take hold of His future? Oh, I do. For those of you who are new on a faith journey, I want to say praise God you're here. I love it. We're all somewhere on a faith journey in God. But I praise God that you're here. I want to say this. I want to repeat this statement again that I said. Jesus, for those who are new on a faith journey, Jesus took on your past so that you could take on His future with Him. He wants to take your, uh, to take your sin, to take your uh, bondage, to take your failures, to take all of it on Him. And He wants to give you forgiveness. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you a new life. I challenge you today to think about the fact that you can't do enough good to make up for the past. You can't do it. It doesn't work that way. But I can tell you how your past can be dealt with. Jesus. Jesus paid the price for your sin and for my sin on the cross when He, the perfect Son of God, died for our sins. I want to challenge you today to turn away from your sinful ways Am I judging you? No. We were all born into sin. I have to daily turn away from mine. But to to make that choice, to turn away from your sinful ways and to turn to Jesus, to receive what Jesus Christ has done at the cross, to ask Him to forgive you and to give you a new heart in Him. You see, when Nicodemus came to him, the uh, Pharisee, the teacher of the law, and he started talking on on this kind of idea of all, you know, we can all do enough good things. Or I've kept the law, I've done enough good things. Jesus said, you will not even enter the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again. Today, that's what I want to challenge you, is to receive Jesus as your Lord. And uh, don't wait for another day. If you are in a decision point as to whether you're going to choose to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to live with Him forever in eternity in heaven, and uh, to escape the wrath of hell. Oh, I pray that today would be the day you would receive Him. Don't wait for another day. This is the day we're guaranteed. If you'd like to begin a new life with Jesus today, I just want to ask you to pray. You can pray quietly. And just repeat after me. It's not the magic, it's not magic words, but it's the meaning of your heart to God. So I'm going to pray right now. Let's close our eyes. And I want you, if you want to receive Jesus today, and start in the new beginning of Him as a new believer, to pray after me. Repeat after me if it's of your heart. Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. That I was born into sin like all of mankind. I ask you that you would forgive me of my sin. 
I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross. You bled and your body was broken so that I could know forgiveness. I receive what you did on the cross, Jesus. I receive you into my heart. And I believe today that you've given me new life. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. And I choose to follow you the rest of my days on earth and throughout eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to tell someone around you. Tell me. Tell someone else, one of our staff. Because we're in a place where uh, we want to take care of helping you grow in your relationship with God through Jesus in this new beginning that he's given you today. For those of you who have a relationship with Jesus, had it when you walked in today, I want to challenge you to let go of your past, to let go of the failures, to let go of the sin that so easily entangles, as the Bible says, and to take up the new thing that God has for you in this upcoming year. We're going to talk next week about taking up the new thing, but today is the day to let go of that past. It may be something you've never shared with someone. It may be something that has either haunted you or has, um, uh, has bound you in some form or fashion. And we're here to say you're in a loving community here to let go of that past. If we give our past to Jesus, He will give us His new future. I want to say a phrase over you today as Mark comes up to, to, be, um, to help us with response. And this is a saying, it's an old, I think it's an old 60s saying, maybe it's way beyond that. But my dad used to say it to me, and I want to say it prophetically over you today, though it's kind of a peace child kind of saying. Today is the first day of the rest of your life.